We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode, as always, is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name, of course, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all you fine folks and my friends at the B-Dub. How's everybody doing? What's going on? It's Thursday evening. I'm currently watching the New England Patriots led by rookie quarterback Mac Jones uh, essentially dismantle the Falcons. I mean, it's certainly not an offensive firestorm. The Patriots right now, there's two minutes left in the game. The Patriots have 16 points. The Falcons have none. Looking like a goose egg for the old Atlanta. Uh, I saw a funny little tweet earlier today that said something about that lunar eclipse is supposed to happen either today or tomorrow. This is Thursday evening again. Um, It's supposed to last like three hours and 28 minutes. And of course, (laughs) the Falcons, uh, you know where that number comes from. They gave up a, uh, you know, led by Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. I shouldn't say led, but huge part of. Um, They uh, they lost that Super Bowl to the Patriots, who they are playing tonight by allowing them to come back from a 38, a 28 to three deficit. And that's lunar eclipse or whatever it is. Yeah. Lunar eclipse, uh, is supposed to last for three hours and 28 minutes <laughs> on the night that they, they play the Patriots again. I love it. I love it. So it was so random. Mac Jones is currently 22 of 26, um, for 207 yards, a touchdown and an interception and a 96 rating. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Spreads of all around two, four catches for four re- former 49ers, uh, receiver, or should I say, 49ers legends? Shout out to uh, shout out to Evan. Um, he's got four catches for 42 yards. Then Nelson Aguilar's got five catches. Jacoby Myers got four catches. Hunter Henry's got two catches. Spread the ball around. It's a really short passing game, though, if you're watching it. But I mean, 49ers fans are used to that. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo does half the time. 
So good, impressive little performance for a rookie quarterback that landed in exactly the situation that he needed. I've loved all the stats this week um, about how much better he is than every other rookie quarterback. And Trey Lance is sitting there having played one game in a game where he was mostly used like a running back. So, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised at all by the success Mac Jones is having. Uh, You know, you land in a situation where you play the position – in a very similar style to the quarterback they've had there for the last 20 something years. Obviously you can't necessarily speak to the caliber. You can't just compare some to Tom Brady like that, but plays a very similar, similar brand of football, you know, lands with Bill Belichick and you know, it's very easy to, to see that working. So it's been cool to watch though. It's been cool to watch because I mean, you can go all the way back to, uh, to me and Crocker very early on in draft season, we were talking about how much we liked Mac Jones and, and we never liked Mac Jones at three. Um, but we always liked Mac Jones a lot. He was a very, very good quarterback for Alabama. I didn't care how good his supporting cast was. Uh, you know, you're playing in the NFL, you have a good supporting cast. So, uh, it's been cool to watch him succeed, but I'm supposed, I'm, I'm taking a, taking a strong bet and thinking that you guys don't want to hear me talk about Mac Jones because you had to hear that enough during a very, very long off season of, draft talk until you know we you you know everybody knows what the mac jones deal was we've we heard that name plenty so interesting game going on there and by interesting i mean probably pretty damn boring but hey let's get to your 49ers thursday's uh practice report uh now the definitive one is always friday but we don't record on fridays because we don't want somebody to have to publish something you know to be that's going to go live during the weekend when everybody's doing their thing so, you know, the definitive practice report is always from Friday. That's who you know if somebody's going to be out, if somebody's going to be questionable, doubtful. You know, they used to have the probable, what have you. Don't really have, you know, we don't really have the option to bring that to you. So I'm giving you Thursday's practice report. It's the best we can do, folks. But it's not bad. In terms of, it's actually more positive than it is negative. The 49ers are, they're in pretty decent shape right now. They're in pretty decent shape right now. So the first uh, name on the practice report is running back to Michael Hasty, who is not practicing due to an ankle injury. Uh, seems like likely that he will not be uh, be suiting up. Uh, same can be said for defensive lineman Mohurst, who has been out for quite a few weeks with that calf injury. And it, it's interesting to me. I don't know why they didn't put him on injured reserve. Maybe. You know, maybe they kind of felt like it wouldn't last this long, but it did. So it is what it is. And then finally, you know, probably the biggest name on that did not practice list. Obviously, the biggest name is running back Elijah Mitchell, who is the 49ers go to guy in the backfield right now. Um, he He's wearing a blue contact, no contact jersey, kind of like taking part in practice in a very limited fashion on the sideline, you know, kind of moving around, but still technically he didn't participate. Uh, he had finger surgery during the week. But Kyle Shanahan's kind of maintained a little bit of confidence as far as him being ready to go on Sunday. Uh, I don't know. We'll hear from him on Friday. So we'll see if he's as confident that Elijah Mitchell is going to be ready to go. Uh, if he's not, you know, I'm, I'm assuming we'll see a lot more of Jeff Wilson and maybe a little bit more of Trey Sermon, if that's not too much to ask, to see a little bit of that third round running back. But um, we'll see. We'll see what's the deal with uh, with Mitchell. Like I said, surprisingly, Shanahan seemed kind of confident. And uh, – Mitchell's just such a massive part of this offense now, you know, against the, uh, against the Rams, he rushed 27 times for 97 yards. I mean, the 49ers ran the ball 44 times and 27 of them were, uh, you know, well over half were from Elijah Mitchell. So he is a huge part of, uh, of this team. 
you know, and if you go back to the Cardinals game that they that they choked so badly, they only rushed eight times. Now the game plan, the game flow kind of dictates that, but you know, the 49ers by and large are a rushing football team with a pass game that complement, you know, that thrives off that run. And if the 49ers are only giving Elijah Mitchell eight touches, you know something's wrong. So, you know, his absence doesn't necessarily like spell doom for the 49ers. Can they generate a rush game without him? I do think so. It's kind of Kyle Shanahan's wheelhouse. Um, but at the same time, that's a big absence because he's been really good. He's been really impressive. So hopefully uh, Kyle Shanahan's confidence that he's going to play is well-placed. And we'll see. We'll see. Limited in practice is offensive tackle Jalen Moore, who initially stepped in to replace Mike McGlinchey, who was done for the season with a torn quad. And it just sounds brutal to say. Torn quad. Torn quad. It's a huge muscle, a huge muscle to tear, man. Um, he was the one that initially stepped in, which is, um, you know, which is interesting because he's a rookie, but all the snaps that he's gotten, that he's gotten, have seemed solid. You know, you're you're kind of wondering if the 49ers have something good going on there. Uh, we'll see. Uh, to step in, stepped in behind him was Tom Compton, who's gotten some snaps over the past couple of weeks and hasn't been great. So hopefully, Jalen Moore is is getting on the healthier side. You know, he's suffering from a minor knee injury, so we'll see what goes there. Cornerback Josh Norman still listed with that rib injury. I, I don't think that's a problem. Um, and wide receiver Debo Samuel also limited with a shin, and Shanahan hasn't acted like that's really an issue either. Um, obviously a big deal if, if Debo Samuel can't go. That man is the 49ers offense right now, and in related fashion, is your uh, NFC player of the week for the second time in three weeks. Uh, Debo Samuel had one of the most unique games the NFL has ever seen in the fact that he had five carries for 36 yards and a touchdown, and he also had five catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. And I, I thought I read some some something throughout the week that he was the first player or first receiver to ever do that. Something more specific than just player because I think – Corderell Patterson. Yeah, it was, I was, I can't remember exactly what I was reading, but a very, very unique showing for Debo Samuel uh, against the Rams. And that's likely what, what, you know, won him, won him that award. And, you know, that's the NFC player of the week. That's, that's a big deal. You know, obviously a big crop of players. And then you go back to the other time he won it was against the Bears, where he had six catches on nine targets for 171 yards. So, Debo Samuel, man, I mean, you could you could talk on this guy for a while. He's a very he's a very interesting story. You know, he, when we were going into this season, I was one hundred percent on board with the Brandon Ayuk hype train, and I just wasn't really sure what to expect from Debo Samuel. And I think that was a sentiment that was shared by a lot of you know Forty ers beat writers, uh, NFL analysts, fans, wh- wherever you want to take that. He he just everybody's kind of unsure what to expect. He's he struggling with injuries. You'd heard the rumblings about whether or not he was taking this seriously and could stay in shape and could prepare like a pro. All that stuff you heard about. But this season has been just un unbelievable for Debo Samuel. Literally quite figure, you know, not figuratively playing like one of the absolute best receivers in the NFL. I think I mentioned this tweet um Last podcast, but Debo Samuel's at 979 receiving yards, 
just a little bit shy of the thousand yard mark with eight games left. Um, he's right behind Cooper Cup, who is at uh, just over a, a little over eleven hundred. But he has thirty one less catches than Cooper Cup, which shows you just how big of a uh, you know a part of that offense Cooper Cup is. But at the same time, Debo Samuel's averaging eighteen point one yards per catch. That is absurd. That is absurd. Anything fifteen and above is just amazing. But eighteen yards a catch—that is silly. That is silly. So Debo Samuel's evolution, you know, on a on a contract year, no less. It's just been so so impressive to watch. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has gone from kind of being counted out, I guess you could say. You know, I, shout out to Debo. That's my bad. Uh, to like being essentially an irreplaceable part of the 49ers offense, at least right now. Like he just, he is, I mean, look at that stat. I mean, five rushes for 40 yards and a touchdown, five catches for 90 something yards and a touchdown. Like that is just irreplaceable right there. I mean, uh, maybe that's a bit dramatic. I'm not going to say it's irreplaceable, but he has, has latched himself onto the 49ers and their weekly game plan. And he's, he's, he's important now. He's important. His health is important. So it's a good thing he's learned to whatever he switched up has really worked. He's stayed healthy. He's been in games. Uh, and, uh, you know, him, having him and George Kittle back, I mean, the 49ers were able to spread the ball around against the Rams. Five catches for St. Debo, five catches for Kittle, three catches for Ayuk. You know, that's good stuff. Those are the three guys that they need to constantly keep involved. You know, and if you're doing that, plus running the balls as much as they were able to. You know, it's just an easy, easy rep recipe for success. Um, some more positive injury news. Some more positive injury news. Linebacker Dre Greenlaw, the former starting um, linebacker, uh, will linebacker next to Fred Warner. Uh, and safety Whiskey Tart, who everybody knows, uh, both of their practice windows have been opened. Now, the interesting conversation about those guys is they have both been replaced by players who are playing very, very well. You have Jimmy Ward at free safety, who didn't replace Tart, but Talano Hufanga did. Fifth-round rookie, stepped in, and by all accounts, has been solid. You know, he hasn't been incredible or, you know, whatever you want to, you know, he, I wouldn't pump him up too much. He's definitely made his rookie plays. You know, his most pa impressive pass breakup of his season so far was against his own teammate, Emmanuel Mosley, after Mosley uh, looked like he was going to pick off Matthew Stafford against the Rams. And here comes Mr. Hufanga and he just kind of wrecks it. But, you know, being around the ball, obviously you want you want Mosley to bring that in. But at least Hufanga's making plays. He's near the ball. That's, you know, that's still an overall a positive play. But he's played well. And Kyle Shanahan admitted yesterday, I believe it was, that Tart wasn't exactly guaranteed to step back into his starting role. Shanahan said that they had been looking for ways to get Hufanga involved, and Tart's injury opened the door. <coughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Hopefully, I, I, I muted like I muted and unmuted really quickly. Hopefully, you didn't have to hear me uh, clear my throat. Uh, Hufanga's played well. Well enough to be noticed. Well enough to pop on 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 film on during the games. He's around the ball. Not to say he's you know air free because he hasn't been. Uh, initially, he was kind of slow to trigger, kind of slow to make up his mind. Seems like he had a much stronger game against the Rams, but he's been solid. And Kyle Shanahan said Tart, despite Tart being a very solid safety in the NFL, is not necessarily guaranteed to get his job back. There might be some sort of a rotation there, or maybe Talanoa just stays on the field. 
We'll see. And the same thing can be said for Dre Greenlaw. And I said, I said Will linebacker, but I'm not sure that are they going to put him at Will? Because right now Aziz Alshair is playing, it's technically listed as the Sam, but I mean, that's really, those. there's so much ebb and flow in the way defenses line up and whether it's a dime or nickel and, you know, whatever. The fact is Aziz, Aziz Alshair has established himself as a really, really prominent player in this defense. And anybody who's been watching the 49ers knows that he's been popping out. I think he had a really bad game against the Cardinals. But other than that, when he's been on the field, he's been pretty good. And he's made some plays that have shut down drives. And he was uh, – D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator talked to the media today, and he was very complimentary of him. Now, Dre Greenlaw was also very, very solid before uh, he went down with an injury. So, does he come back and immediately replace Al Shire? We'll, we'll, see, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. Anybody who says you can't lose your job to injury uh, just isn't paying attention. Because that's just not the case. The only way you don't lose your job to injury is if you are just far and away the uh, the better player when you come back. Like Nick Bosa, not going to lose his job to injury. Torres ACL comes back and is the guy because he is the man. Now, if you're not far and away the better player and you get hurt and the next guy comes in and plays well and there's a choice there, then... I mean, it would seem more likely that the team's going to go with the guy that's been out there and they don't have to switch something up again. So, you know, both Dre Greenlaw and Jaquiski Tart, who is on a one-year deal, tough spots, tough spots for them. But in the end, if you want to be positive about it, I mean, you've got good players coming back to the 49ers defense. That just put together its strongest performance of the year against the Los Angeles Rams, holding them to 10 points at Levi Stadium. So, you know, good players coming back into the fold. You know, that's that's where we're at. And that's that can never be a bad thing. We'll see who ends up kind of maintaining their role as a starter. Maybe there's more of a rotation. Fresh legs are never a bad thing. But at the same time, you don't want to use too much of that because you want the players that are the starters, especially linebacker, to be able to develop that communication, the, uh, you know, the, the comfort with each other. And, you know, if you're just constantly moving guys around, I'm not sure that would happen. So, uh, we'll see. That's just something to watch. That's just something to watch. So before we, uh, uh, we're going to get a quick word in from our sponsors, and then uh, we will come back and we're going to talk about you know a little bit about the players only meeting that the defense had uh, before the Rams game. We're going to talk a little bit about what you know what I'd like to see against the Jags, and maybe kind of break down the playoff picture a little bit. I know it seems a little crazy to talk 49ers playoff picture when they're like I don't know what uh, four and five is that what they are? Yeah, four and five. Uh, but we're going to talk about it because it's not as crazy as it seems. But all right, so we obviously, I mean, we're we're in the midst of 49ers football. We're in a very interesting time for 49ers football, where despite the fact that they technically have a losing record, these games matter. So if you're planning on going to a 49ers game, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore, because Tick Pick, that's T I C K P I C K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of your NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's free money. Uh, Again, The 49ers are coming up on a host of very, very important games. 
They are traveling uh, across the country this Sunday to face the Jaguars. But right now, that very next week, um, the end of November, 1128, they are back at Levi Stadium to face the Minnesota Vikings, a team that is just ahead of them in the playoff race um, in the hunt for a wild card. So uh, it's and not to mention the fact that if the 49ers are going to have playoff hopes, every single one of these games is a must win situation. We've got the Vikings week 12, Falcons week 15 and Texans week 17. Three more games at Levi Stadium. Be a part of them. Visit TickPick.com slash gold today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. We can, the, the role continues. Um, so yeah, one, one of the things that was kind of an interesting storyline from this week, uh, I mean, nothing too crazy has happened, but, uh, it was, it did kind of come out that D'Amico Ryan's uh, defensive coordinator asked the 49ers defensive captains to speak to the team. And obviously they obliged. Uh, I think that entire unit, by the way, they played, um, probably realized that a lot was on their shoulders and they hadn't necessarily played up to par. And they need to have a little powwow. Well, what's what's kind of cool about that is the captains and the rest of the defense ended up asking Coach D'Amico Ryans and the other coaches to leave during this meeting so that they could have a players-only meeting, which is always great to see uh, players just taking accountability. It's very, very important. It essentially drives a defense's success. If players are holding themselves accountable, of course, that doesn't minimize a coach's importance, but when a team and a defense, and an offense, and what have you, when they're holding themselves accountable and you have leaders on that group um, you know, demanding the most from the players around them, that's when good thing happens. That's when good things happen. It's not all on the coaches. In, in fact, I would, at this level, at professional football, I mean, it's, it's just as much on the players as it is the coaches because at this point, they kind of know what right looks like. You know, a solid scheme can be put into place, but if the players don't go out there and execute and do what they're supposed to do on the field, then it really doesn't matter. So uh, Fred Warner kind of went into detail about what went on. I mean, he didn't go into detail necessarily about what was said. He just basically said that, you know, some of the stuff that they had kind of gone over with themselves was the fact that the key players, the leader on the defense, they needed to step up. They needed to be better. Um, you know, you're talking about guys like Fred Warner and Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward. And what's interesting about that is, you know, and Fred Warner has said, you know, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan's mentioned it. John Lynch said it on the radio, which is a little weird. Uh, Fred Warner, 
easily admitted that he's not having his best season. And this is his first season after getting a massive, massive payday as uh, as the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. And you know, we all know that's just the way it is. You know, there'll be another linebacker, probably Darius Leonard, I think it is, um, that'll come around and, and, and be making just as much, if not more money. But, you know, you shouldn't necessarily have your, what might be your worst season as a pro the same year you get paid. And that seemed to really kind of gnaw at Fred Warner a little bit. And the fact that he seems to admit that he just kind of let too much get in his head was trying to do too much at once. And he just needed to, to, to bear down and hone in on his craft. And what's interesting is Fred Warner said that, but so did John Lynch. I don't know if that stems from like a conversation they had, but at the same time, you know, Fred Warner didn't seem like he had any problem whatsoever kind of holding himself accountable. And, and obviously the, the proof is on the tape. We, we've seen that Fred Warner wasn't necessarily playing his best football, but against the Rams, he was pretty damn good. Or at the, at the very least from the eye test, he looked pretty good. And then you have another, you know, defensive leader like Jimmy Ward coming away with two picks, one of them for a pick six. And it really seemed like whatever happened in this defensive meeting, you know, was that the reason that they did so well against the Rams? I don't know. Probably not. But at the same time, I mean, it, it can't be a bad thing that they had this meeting and then went out and played their best effort of the season. So uh, it's just it's it's always good to see that these things are happening, that they're going on, um, because, I mean, I can go all the way back to 2017, 2018, when the 49ers were losing a lot of football games. Um, but. It, there was something in that locker room holding it all together. You had guys like Joe Staley, Richard Sherman. You had uh, DeForest Buckner. And all of these veteran, veteran players that really just no matter what was going on, it seemed like everybody was always focused on the way ahead. And right now the 49ers need that more than ever because they are not out of it whatsoever. They are not out of it, out of it whatsoever. And they need that sort of, you know, they need that laser sharp focus right now, and and player veteran players on that team, or what's going to be what's going to give it to them? You know, just the constant accountability out on the practice field. Coaches aren't always around, you know, and you you've got to be able to reel that in at all times. You know, especially even when you're talking about off hours. You know, when you've stepped away from the facility, just kind of keeping everybody on track. That's really what it comes down to with these with successful season is that everybody's on in the same mindset everybody's firing on the on all the cylinders and you know it's just it, it'll be interesting to see how that accountability piece evolves throughout the season whether it's through players comments and stuff like that and you know that kind of in terms of leadership it, it, it reminds me of uh, the 49ers just recently released a mic'd up from their win against the Rams and it's Trent Williams and I highly recommend going to check this out like that dude is just one he's just an absolute animal like I, I made a joke to KP about this, I don't know, a few months ago. Like if the world all of a sudden went back a thousand years and we were using spears and swords and wherever, whatever, the guys that look like Trent Williams would be the ones that rule the world, like the Goliaths of their time, you know, and, and obviously the Bible mentions Goliath being a massive human being and I could see Trent Williams being mistaken for Goliath because he's just massive and he just walks around towering over everybody. And he's so thick and huge, like a true silverback gorilla, just like the alpha male of this 49ers team. And he's just messing people up on the field, just running around. The sound of him hitting people just sounds so brutal. 
but he's such a uh, he, he's clearly an anchor for the offensive line, and he's clearly just one of the the players that the team is looking up to. And you can tell he doesn't use a lot of words, but he just like he was just walking around thumping people on the chest. You know him and Lincoln Tomlinson, who plays right guard right next to him, or excuse me, left guard right next to him. Uh, they're just like looking at each other eye to eye, just get, keeping each other locked. It's just you have to see it. Uh, it's very cool. And it, it just gives you a little bit of hope that this 49ers team might have turned a corner. And that was one of the things I tweeted this week. Uh, I don't tweet that much anymore. I feel like I get all my thoughts out on the pod. So if you're a Twitter follower of mine, sorry if my Twitter feed's a little bit boring. Uh, I just feel like with, you know, when I used to write, I used to tweet all the time because, you know, that was kind of my way of talking to everybody. But now that I'm on a pod, I feel like I talked to everybody through this. So it's it's a weird dynamic. But one of the things I tweeted uh, during the week was, uh, I'm not saying the 49ers got right, but man, a home win like that night, like last night's against a good Rams team has to be a shot of adrenaline for that locker room. Could be the turning point of the season with a host of favorable games to close out the year. They have to string them together. And watching that mic'd up with Trent Williams, I just, I have a little bit of faith that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, it just, you know, and everybody looks like like a champion when they're winning. You know, I don't, I'm not going to put too much stock into it. But if the 49ers are going to turn this around, I feel like it has just as much to do with guys like Trent Williams and the leaders on that defense. And, or, and you know, I, I said defense, but leaders on that team. Um, I didn't mean to say defense, obviously, if I'm talking about Trent Williams. But, you know, the uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo's, the George Kittles, the Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward. You know, the true Fred Warner, the true veteran guys, Kyle Juszczyk, the guys that you know hold sway in that locker room, uh, Alex Mack, Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, those are the guys that you need to kind of reel everybody in. And as this mic'd up video was coming to a close, it was Trent Williams kind of walking off the field, undoing his gloves, taking off his tape. And he said, you know, hey, it ain't over yet. They're counting us out. Stay tuned. You know, and and obviously those are just words until it happens. But that takes us to the 49ers versus the Jags, which – you know, I've seen it mentioned a couple times throughout uh, the week, but in no way is this 49ers versus a Jags game any sort of a trap game. For one, the I would say the rate the prerequisite of a trap game is that the one of the teams be like really good and really really expected to to win. Now, I do believe the 49ers are like six point favorites, and and it's a away game, so. You know, the home team is kind of always given three points and the 49ers, I believe, are six point favorites. So they're definitely favored to win. But this doesn't qualify as a trap game to me because the 49ers haven't proven that they're, you know, a football team that should be considered out of the trap. You know, like you have to be a good football team to fall into the trap. And I I knew we I think I feel like we know the 49ers are good, but they haven't proven that yet and they haven't done it consistently and they've only beaten one good Rams team. So every other team they've beaten was a little mediocre. The Jaguars gave a little bit of a run uh gave the Colts a, a run for their money and obviously the Colts came into Levi's Stadium and smacked them around a bit. So football math doesn't really work, but it's uh it's it's something to watch. It's it's something to watch. Now with the Jags it's it's a must-win game for the 49ers. If you look at their schedule, if you look at the playoff picture, which we'll talk briefly about here in a little bit, 
the 40 every game from here on out is is essentially a must win game for the 49ers can they drop a couple sure maybe but that's just not especially against a bet you you got to win the 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 easy ones you can't be a team fighting for your playoff lives and then you lose games to bad teams you know if the 49ers lose to the titans later on in the season then all right man you know maybe maybe you're all right but you can't lose to the Jaguars. And this is a must-win game because, one, the Jaguars are a bad football team. Are the 49ers? I don't think they're as bad. But like I just said, I can't necessarily say they're good. But And and if they want to have any hopes for the playoffs, they need to go on a run right now. This is it. The, the Rams was the start of it. And I do feel like this team knows that. Like I said, they have a locker room full of smart players. They holding themselves everybody knows what's at stake and even george kittle said it today he's like no no we we've lost too much already we have to win this and so i don't think this 49ers team is going to have any problems getting up against the jags you know that's a tough trip that's all the way across the country you know and you're playing it at a 10 a.m game that for you feels like 7 a.m so for this 49ers team it's gonna feel a little weird if the 49ers were really good, would I be worried about this game as a trap game? Maybe, yeah. But I just feel like this team's in a different mindset. They know they can't do shit. They have to win, and they've got to win. Every game they're expected to win, they've got to win. Uh, like I said, maybe they drop a close one. But uh, somewhere down the line, one or two, I think they could probably be a 42, and they they'd probably be in the dance. But I, I don't see this as a trap game. I see this as the 49ers just view this as one more game that they have to win if they want their season to mean shit. That's just that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at. And you know, one of the interesting things about this game is Jacksonville is actually really, really good against the run. They're really good against the run. They're not great against the pass, which you know doesn't really bode well for the 49ers. I believe that the Jaguars are like 26th when it comes to like passer rating allowed in terms of yards allowed passing they're in the bottom half of the league i believe right around right around the halfway point am i missing them here where are they at so i'm going i'm just scrolling through all the stats um they're very they're not good against the pass but they're pretty damn good against the run you know just in kind of like the more major categories they allow 3.9 yards per carry that's top five in the nfl uh in terms of touchdowns let's see where they're at in touchdowns should have just written all this down beforehand, but I like the I like the unprepared live effect. Like I have no idea what I'm talking about. I can't even find them on here. Let's just go play rush yards. You know, not I, rush yards are not necessarily an indicator of success, but even there, they're top ten in the NFL. They've only allowed 954 rushing yards on the season. Now, is that because teams are just happy <laughs> throwing all over them? It could be, but we know that the 49ers want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. They love explosive plays. And the Jaguars have only given up four of those. You know, so this matchup has a weird relationship with what the 49ers want to do. And there's a chance that this might be on Jimmy. You know, you don't really want that. You want the 49ers. Now, now I say this. I say the 49ers might struggle to run the ball. 
But we know that Kyle Shanahan is great at scheming up a run game along with Mike McDaniel. And when the 49ers played the Rams last week, they ran, they only averaged 3.5 yards per carry. They still ran the ball 44 times, which is what I liked about when they played the Rams. I, I tweeted it out once. I said, just keep running the ball. Even if you're only getting three yards carry, you know, the 49ers were good on third down. Jimmy Garoppolo seemed like he was dealing a little bit. Just keep running the ball. Kyle Shanahan ended up saying after the game that he challenged the team to be able to run the ball 40 times, and he thought he might have been overstepping a little bit, and they ended up running at 44, which is crazy. And I'm, I'm, I feel like that's got to be the, the recipe for, for a win. For the 49ers going forward, yes, the Jaguars are pretty damn good against the run, but you're going to be have to be able to do it so that you can take advantage of their weakness in the pass game. And, you know, like I said, that may fall, that may put a little bit more of the pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, that, that might put more pressure on Jimmy to make plays. And do the 49ers want that? I don't think so. I don't think so. But... That's kind of where the game is leaning. Now, on that respect, the 49ers have all their playmakers at their disposal. They've got George Kittle, they've got Brandon Ayuk, and they've got Debo Samuel, who's playing like one of the better receivers in the NFL, against a pretty weak secondary. The 49ers should be able to take advantage of that weakness. Heaven Heaven forbid Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball around a little bit. Heaven forbid he throw the ball outside the numbers. If it's got to be on him, then let it be on him because that's what the 49ers signed up for when they kept him around. So, But at the same time, you know the 49ers want to run the ball. If the Jaguars are going to be stingy, and you know that's going to be their game plan going in, you know they're going to be like, hey, no matter what, we got to stop this run because that's what they want to do. You don't just watch film from a, a game where the 49ers run the ball 44 times and be like, yeah, we need to stop the pass. No, they're going to go in. They're going to want to stop the run so that they, Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw. But that's the thing. Is this Jaguars secondary isn't great. So, you know, maybe that's kind of a faulty game plan and the fact that the 49ers should be able to take advantage of that defense when they have to throw. But it just all comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to be able to make those throws? Against the Rams, he looked pretty good. I mean, you had a fourth and six play with uh, with a chance to ice the game, fourth and six. And he puts it right on Debo Samuel over the middle. An absolutely perfect throw. And Debo Samuel takes it in for, I think, a 40-yard touchdown. You know, so I'm not going to say Jimmy's not capable of of carrying a a heavy backpack, but that's not necessarily what – we know that's not what the 49ers want to do. We know it's not. And now if you flip it, you know, on the defensive side of things, um, the, the, the Jaguars want to run the ball. They want to run the ball, and man, against the Colts, they ran the ball. They only had 24 rushes, but that came out to 175 yards and two touchdowns. They averaged 7.5 yards a carry against the Colts. Uh, Agnew had a big 26-yard, you know, explosive play, a big run. That obviously cranks up the average a lot. But even then, you know, like Rob uh, Robinson was averaging 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, when Trevor Lawrence was keeping the ball, he was averaging 6.6. And you had Agnew averaging 26.3. Now, where the, the glaring – Oh, you know, the glaring, the hole in the, in the, in the, uh, in the machine is Trevor Lawrence only completed 45% of his passes. He only completed 16 of 35 for 162 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's not great. That's rough. So what you don't want to see is this standout performance against the Rams 
this standout performance against the Rams, and then you you know you go on a it's an away game. We know that, but you don't want to go against and then make the Rams you know or excuse me make the Jags look competent. They go across the country to play in this away game in a must win game, and the Jags offense all of a sudden looks good. It better not against the 49ers. you know, and that's kind of what we saw against you know the Bears. The Bears did have a had a poor offense going into the 49ers game, and they looked pretty good. 49ers defense ended up locking it down pretty well towards the latter part of the game. But, you know, the the, the 49ers were facing the the uh Colt McCoy-led Cardinals and found a way to make them look very good. That same Cardinals offense was only held to 10 points uh by the Panthers, who have a great defense this year, but you know, that was that was an indictment right there. But if you're going to come out and you're going to hold the Rams 10 points, maybe you're hitting a springboard. Maybe they're finding what they need to find. Then again, the 49ers have always had the Rams number. At least they have for the past few years. So the Jaguars game is going to be interesting. I don't think the 49ers are going to come out flat. Uh, I would like to see a Shanahan game plan that just foot to the pedal, pedal to the metal, and keep it there. You know, if if you can drop drop forty plus, you know, really kind of get this team's ego and its momentum sky high. But at the same time, it's it's a double edged sword. This game is, you know, because if the 49ers come out and look good, you know, oh, the 49ers are back. They're they're kicking the shit out of bad teams. That's what they should do. They beat the Rams and they beat the hell out of the the Jaguars, and now they get the Vikings at home. You know, maybe this team's about to make a run. But if the 49ers come out and shit the bed against the Jaguars, maybe they win a close one or worse yet, they lose. Then you're looking at some, (laughs) you know, y'all don't need me to tell you that. So um, the 49ers, I'm not going to say they need to just absolutely throttle the Jaguars to convince everybody that they are the team that they might be, you know, that this is, this is, you know, the win against the Rams wasn't a fluke, but they need to look dominant. You know, they need to cover, they need to be, they need to cover the spread. They need to kick some ass. And they should look good against the Jaguars. If they don't, then, you know, maybe we're getting a little too excited about the 49ers and what they showed us against the Rams. Which would be understandable, given we haven't really seen that from the 49ers at other points of the season. So, you know, do we do we deserve to think the 49ers are good yet? I don't think so. I think Grant Cohn of uh, Sports Illustrated posted a Twitter quest. Shout out to Grant. Grant's hilarious. His tweets are so funny. Especially if you already know Grant. Grant's hilarious. Love Grant. Um, he tweeted, are the 49ers good? Yes or no? And I think it was like 50-50 with like almost like a thousand votes. And he just replied to his own tweet saying, this is a good question. Because it is. I don't know if the 49ers are good. They look damn good against the Rams, but are they good? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to ramble on too much about that. But the 49ers need to look good against the Jaguars. They need to go out and they need to kick ass. Think about like the Bengals game in 2019. Was it 19? Yeah, whatever. Super Bowl run. Yeah, where they just throttled them. I think they dropped a 50-burger or something. Like that's what they need to do against the Rams. Show everybody that you're getting it together and you're something to be feared and you're about to make a run um, because you can't. They just The 49ers just can't afford to seem like they're taking anything lightly anymore. If they're going to be the man, they got to be the man, you know. Now, let's take a quick look before we jump out of here. Let's take a quick look at the 49ers, the playoff picture. Because when you talk playoffs right now, I think a lot of people are like, huh? Playoffs? You know, that sort of thing. Well, if you look at the NFC playoff picture, and, and it's really, 
No, I wouldn't say it's the entirely NFL. You know, at the very top of the NFC, you have the Packers and the Cardinals. Both are eight and two. They deserve to be right where they are. And no one's really that close to them. Uh, you have the uh, the Cowboys, seven and two. And for the NFC East, looking real good. The Bucks, six and three, have lost a couple games, looking a little vulnerable. They're the fourth seed right now. And you've got the Rams at seven and three that the 49ers just beat and that the 49ers are going to play again at the, on the, was it the last game of the season? Very last game of the season, right? At Rams. I mean, that game is looking like if the 49ers can put this stuff together, that game is looking like it could have some serious implications. Okay, right. Okay. So the 49ers are four and five. The Saints, who currently own the sixth seed, are five and four. The Panthers, who own the currently own the seventh seed, are five and five. So there is so little separation between the 49ers being where they are, which is technically the ninth seed. You know, they're on the bubble right behind the Vikings at four and five, and the Vikings are also four and five. So there is a ton of movement that can still happen here. Um, and the 49ers are very, very much in the playoff picture. They just have to put this stuff together. And what's interesting about the 49ers right now is the Vikings are one place ahead of them. They play the Vikings in two weeks. Okay. They're going to have to beat the Vikings so that they can move up that spot on the bubble. And depending what happens with the saints, I believe the saints are about to play the Eagles. If I'm right, week 11 matchup, we're in week 11, right? Yeah. 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 So sorry about the sniff, by the way, we've got some uh, allergies going on. I just, hopefully I haven't been snipping, sniffing throughout this whole episode. So they've got the Vikings right ahead of them. They've got the Eagles right behind them at four and six. And you've got the Atlanta Falcons right behind them at four and six. Well, I, I think that's four and seven. Does that include the game they just lost? I don't know. It might. Um, no, it says week 11 matchup Patriots. So now they're four and seven. They just lost to the Patriots, got shut out. The 49ers are playing them too. So not only can they jump the Vikings, but they can distance themselves from the Falcons. Who are the Falcons a threat? I don't know. And then you've got the away game against the Seahawks that they've got to win. They cannot get swept by the Seahawks. There may be some funky way that they can still make it into the playoffs, but they've got to, they've got to be able to beat the Seahawks. And then again, that game against the Rams, you know, the Saints are, are kind of like the hinging point of this order. They're up there at the sixth seed, but they're fielding a backup quarterback and Trevor Simeon. You know, are they going to keep winning games? You know, so are the, the, the Panthers are doing their things with the crazy, with the shaky quarterback situation too. You've got Cam Newton that's just stepping in there. Is he going to be the answer? It'd be cool to watch just because, you know, it's Cam Newton making his return to the, the Panthers. But the, the teams ahead of the 49ers, that are protecting those wild card spots are not are not like they're not big time teams. The 49ers can easily work their way into that. But again, gotta go on a run. The 49ers have some super, super they can you could easily see them winning every game to come. Okay, so let's look at next week. Jacksonville Jaguars, you can easily see them winning it. Minnesota Vikings, same record as the 49ers, have done well against the Vikings in the past. Vikings are no joke for sure, but could definitely see them winning that at home at Levi's. Then they're going at, on the road to face the Seattle Seahawks, who are what, like three and three and six right now? Three and five? What are they at? Three and six. Now, again, we all know the Seahawks. We all know what Russell Wilson's capable of, but the Seahawks haven't been good this year. Even with Russell Wilson, they weren't playing that good. And they just shit the bed against the, what, the Packers. So 
you know, another winnable game. Bengals, very winnable. Falcons, very winnable. Titans, that's a hell of a challenge, but you know, still winnable. I'm not going to, if, if there was, that's obviously like, it looks like the most difficult game on the slate. The Texans, very winnable. Rams, they just beat them, but we'll see how that works. So the 49ers, you know, they have, they could easily go on this stretch where in this, this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, they lose two. And if you do that, if you go, if you go six and two for the rest of the season, now you're looking at a 49ers team that is 10 and seven. You're in the dance more than, more than likely. So the playoff picture, although it seems silly to talk about it with the 49ers at four and five, it's very much in, in flux. And the 49ers have a very good shot at getting into the playoffs, but it, it, and we all know this, like it's cool to talk about it, but it just all revolves around the 49ers propping themselves up as a good football team. Are they going to play like a good football team against the Jaguars? Are they going to play like a good football team against the Vikings? And are they going are they going to turn the corner? Are they going to show that they're ready to roll? We'll see. You know, that's really well what it comes down to. Yeah, it'd be cool if they went on a run, but are they good? Show show such a good as you're going on the run, then that you know that all makes sense, obviously. So, interesting time in 49ers land. Okay, coming off a big win. Can they keep that momentum going? They have to string them together. It's in their hands, man. They control their own destiny, guys. I love that saying. Football cliches are the best. All right. That seems like a good time to end it. Hey, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Striking Old Podcast. Thank you for making this what it is. I appreciate everybody. Uh, tune it in. Um, that's another my next episode. I will be coming at to you guys on Sunday, right after whatever happens against the Jaguars. So I will. Uh, I'll talk to you all then. Again, I appreciate you. Make sure you're out there downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, commenting, whatever you can do to support this co- podcast. If you deem us worthy, then please do it. I appreciate it. I know a lot of you guys out there have been with this pod for a long time, and I appreciate y'all too. Shout out to the uh, shout out to the, to my own faith to our own faithful here at Striking Gold. I appreciate y'all. But hey, you already know what it is. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And this is an episode, another episode. We are signing out.